Turn on the news and think. You cannot be serious! You know you're in for a hard ride. Hang tough because you're a child of the truth. And this is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your point man is Dan Newman. So let me get this straight. Pete Moss says you're a child of the truth. Uh, that would uh, mean next time somebody says, Who's Dan Newman? You tell him, He's my daddy. Because you're my child. I've got truth. I'm not Dr. Anthony Fauci talking about science when he bravely made that, that uh, I guess, a soundbite, wouldn't you think? Remember what he said? He was getting argued with about where he was getting his information about COVID-19, and he said, I am the science. Well, I said, who's your daddy, and I'm your daddy. That was in total jest. I just want to clarify that. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hump Day, Wednesday, already March the 8th. I want to start the show with something very, very special for me. I have three children. Two girls, they're the oldest, Kimby and Corey, both names spelled with a K. Our baby is Caleb, also spelled with a K. And Caleb today is doing what he does. He's a genius, literally. He is an amazing chef. He's living in Fort Worth. He is at Medical Center Arlington, and he's over all the food and beverage that they have there. It's a huge hospital, and they have a ton of doctors. So he has 63 people on his staff. They're the ones that handle cooking and delivering all the food for inpatients and staff members there, with the exception of the doctors. Caleb's making sure every day that those things are taken care of, but his number one job, take care of the doctors. And they get gourmet food. And when I say gourmet, I can't tell you how many times uh, he'll call me and say, you'll never guess what I did. I just ordered 100 pounds of Wagyu beef from Japan. It's being flown in. No budget. The doctors, needless to say there, eat well. So why am I bringing this up? Caleb, our son, is having a birthday today. Born in 1980. So you do the math. That makes my baby 43. Now let me tell you one other little thing about Caleb. He's 6'9", weighs 340 pounds, and he wears that stinking chef hat on his head. You know, the one that goes straight up, he's about 7'5 when he has that. A very foreboding sight for a lot of people that don't know that he's just a big, lovable teddy bear. So happy birthday, Caleb, in Arlington, Texas. And if you have him on your Facebook page, why don't you do this? Caleb with a K. You won't find many Caleb Newmans out there. Why don't you wish him a happy birthday and tell him, I did that on the show first thing this morning. Speaking about the show this morning, boy, do we have a blockbuster. We have so many topics that we're going to cover, and I can't wait to get right to it, but I need a little jingle to get me going this morning. What about you? I think you'll like this. Oh, life's been good. 
she went away. And this this is not a TNN Live big story. This is just one of those, oh, by the way, she and her husband lived, I believe, in southern Canada, and they lived next door to their best friends. Well, little did Shania know that her best friend that lived next door was having an affair with her best friend's husband who lived next door. That exploded. Both couples divorced, but guess what happened? Kind of a neat little twist. Shania ended up marrying her former best friend's former husband who was having an affair, and they married each other's spouses. Shania had a baby, and she's doing a blockbuster show in Las Vegas. I've not been able to see it. I love 
Her music, she's absolutely spectacular to watch. She's a great performer, and she writes most of her stuff. You got that, all that today, absolutely free. <laughs> so what are we going to dig in today? Can you believe what's happening regarding Fox News' Tucker Carlson? He is in the bullseye of not just everybody on the left, but even Rhino Republicans are blasting Tucker Carlson for two nights in a row, releasing some of the January 6th footage. Now, if you don't know that whole story, the January 6th committee had unfettered access to 41,000 hours of January 6th footage. And during that fake committee hearing that lasted for months, they cherry-picked little bits of the January 6th footage that they showed And obviously, their purpose for doing that was to build up and be the foundation for their narrative that everything that happened on January 6th was Donald Trump's fault. He was the driver of all that kind of stuff, and they made it look like it was a real insurrection. But you know what? We Americans aren't stupid. We've become very conscious about things that were told to be true. And when they smell a little bit funny, which most of what comes from the left smells at least a little bit funny, if not way, 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 way funny, we want the facts. We want the truth. Sometimes truth hurts. Sometimes facts are a little bit uncomfortable, right? But when we get the facts, we are able to make good choices. Of course, all those on the left, they don't want the American people to know all the facts about January 6th. And if you even question, just question, hey, what do you think about the election results back in 2020? Do you think they were real? Do you think they were fair? Do you think they were honest? If you ask those questions, you're an election denier and they put you over there in that bucket that Hillary Clinton built and used during her campaign back in 2016. She was putting Donald Trump and everybody that supported him in that basket of deplorables. Well, Democrats have been now for three years almost putting you, if you even asked a question about January 6th or about the 2020 election, You're a denier, and you also, (laughs) you're one of those MAGA, mega MAGA Republicans that are maggots. And with this footage being released by Tucker Carlson, guess what's happening? The January 6th committee and Democrats are being exposed. You know why? Some of the stuff that they showed us was edited to make it look like It really was an insurrection. I'll just give you one small example. If you watched any of the January 6th committee hearing, you probably saw a lot of members of Congress that were getting out of the Capitol when it was stormed by those people that were, I don't want to call them um, insurrectionists because there was no insurrection. There was no attempted insurrection. That is a 
talking point that the left continue to lose uh, use when they talk about it. But one U.S. senator, they showed in the January 6th hearing, they showed a little snippet of him, Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, a Republican. They showed him running down a tunnel to get away, and they made it out to be in the hearings that he was running to get away from those insurrectionists that were trying to get him. Ball face lie. Tucker Carlson showed the whole video And what was happening, that senator had waited to make sure that all of his compadres got out and were already out of that tunnel, and he was going after them because he was standing back making sure that everybody got out. Just that one little bitty edit makes a huge difference in the story. Don't you believe that? And so what did Tucker do? He's not cherry-picking. He's showing us the footage. He's got a lot left. And I can tell you this, yeah, he's getting some huge ratings on his show. Why would that be? (laughs) Because you and me and a bunch of other people that are like-minded, we're digging in hungry for the facts, and we're not getting them sometimes from even the likes of Fox News, Newsmax, and the very few other conservative wholesome media outlets. That all plays into what's going on in Washington, D.C., folks. And much of it isn't good. We're going to get into some of those details today. And we're going to do what we always do. We give you facts. Isn't that what you want? We trust you. So we're already talking about getting into that 2024 election. And it's going to be a dogfight. I think from now on, every election is going to be a dogfight. So let's talk about 2024 just for a few minutes. Let's think about the Republican Party who desperately want to get the Senate back and, of course, want to get the White House back and hold on to the majority in the House of Representatives. So how are we going to do that? What's going to happen? Let's look at a little bit of history. We'll go back about eight years This time eight years ago, voters thought they knew what to expect. You remember? 2016 election would be a rematch between the two dynasties that had defined both the Republican and Democrat politics since the 1990s. Who were the heads of those parties? Jeb Bush was the presumptive frontrunner for the GOP presidential nomination. Remember that? Boy, did they miss that. Hillary Clinton would inevitably top the Democrat ticket, which she did. And then Donald Trump happened. Now, there's the prospect of another rematch in 2024. This is hard to believe, but it's true between Trump and Joe Biden. Both men are determined to make it happen. Now, Biden's already altered the Democrats' primary schedule to put the state most critical to his 2020 nomination, what state would that be? South Carolina. And South Carolina now is going to have the first primary. Trump, meanwhile, has been campaigning since last year's midterms. He takes every opportunity to bash the younger Republican leaders who just might challenge him for the GOP nomination. Above all, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. 
The Democrats, on the other hand, they ain't got nobody who can plausibly wrest the nomination from the octogenarian, that's 80-year-old incumbent Joe Biden. Now, you've got to remember this. Biden's old, but just because he's old, it doesn't mean that he's not tough. He is tough. He didn't run for president three times over 32 years just to hand his prize, his presidency over once he'd snatched it away. It's true, Biden's approval ratings are anemic. But he has reason to be confident that the 2024 electoral map is going to return him to office. Joe thinks he has a special affinity for the state of Pennsylvania. Other states that flipped from Republican to Democrat between 2016 and 2020, you know, we had a few of those, like Arizona and Georgia and Michigan and Wisconsin. They have all elected Democrat governors or senators or both in the 2020 midterms. Now, Georgia re-elected a Republican governor as well as a Democrat senator last year. But Biden can afford to lose in 2024. He can lose Georgia or even Georgia and Arizona and still win if he keeps his grip on the whole Rust Belt. Those industrial states, hard hit by globalization, delivered the White House to Trump back in 2016, remember? And they took it from him in 2020. Don't sell those Rust Belt states. Don't sell them short. A Republican either has to win back the Rust Belt or widen the battleground map to prevail next year. Trump got more electoral votes in 2016 than George W. Bush did in his successful 04 re-election effort. The Trump map remains the best map for the GOP. But guess what? That became Biden's map in 2020. So, can DeSantis reclaim it for Republicans? Can Trump? Let's talk about Ron DeSantis for a second. In his gubernatorial campaign last year, he stormed Florida to a 20-point re-election landslide. Republicans who want DeSantis for president say he's proved that he can win a contested state, his own Florida. But don't forget, Trump also won Florida two times. DeSantis has to prove his appeal to states that rewarded Democrats last year and also in 2020. I think the pundits all think the Florida governor has the best chance of averting an otherwise nigh-certain 2020 do-over next year. He trails Trump at this point by double digits in recent polls. But then... He can hardly yet match the ex-president's name recognition. A strong showing in early primaries would give DeSantis some momentum, and the governor can bet on doing well in many caucus states that chose Ted Cruz over Trump back in 2016. This past weekend, Trump was in Washington. We talked about it. He spoke to the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, and he won the Conservative Convention straw poll 62 to 20. And who got 20? Ron DeSantis. 
Yet winning that straw pool in 2015 did very little for Senator Rand Paul in the primary contest the following year. DeSantis was in Houston on Friday addressing Republican Party regulars at the Harris County, that's Houston, GOP Lincoln-Reagan dinner. He hadn't declared yet, but DeSantis is already waging a campaign and he's doing it state by state. So what are the risks for the Florida governor? I can tell you this, they're dawning. Trump has already unleashed salvos against the 44-year-old governor. A primary struggle between them would be vicious, and I promise it'll be ugly. If DeSantis overcomes Trump, the ex-president can't be counted on to concede gracefully. So what if the Republican Party is divided? If that happens, Ron DeSantis would nonetheless be portrayed by a hostile media as essentially identical to Trump. At every debate, every press conference, he's going to be asked to denounce all that Trump stands for, including, listen to this, those deplorable Trump voters. How many of you out there that are listening this morning are a deplorable Trump voter? I'm raising my hand. Biden and his surrogates are likely going to delight in driving a wedge between DeSantis and Trump supporters on the one hand and between the governor and Trump fearful centrist on the other. If DeSantis beats Trump but he loses to Biden, DeSantis risks earning the undying hatred of Trump and his most ardent admirers while being seen by Republican pragmatists as a loser. Already yesterday's news in his mid-40s. None of Trump's 2016 rivals came out of the melee stronger than before they got into it. DeSantis' term as governor ends in early 2027. That's an optimal time to mount a presidential campaign for the next year, 2028. If 2024 is a Biden-Trump rematch and the winner serves a full term, there won't be any incumbent in 2028. Yet, the Santa supporters don't want him to wait, not when they fear for Trump's electability and long for the governor's disciplined conservatism. This puts the Republican Party on course for a bloody primary season. If you think the one was bloody back in 2016 or 2020, you ain't seen nothing yet. But amid this carnage, The candidates can ill afford to overlook the truth that applies to Trump and DeSantis alike. Beating Biden will require winning industrial middle America again. The Rust Belt. So if anybody out there, anybody that's listening to this can talk to those two, Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump, get in their ears and tell them you need to hold what's yours in the way of support from principally red states, but you got to go win back the Rust Belt, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin. Get them back. If you do, 
you got a shot at beating Biden or whoever else the Democrats put up there. If you don't, we're looking at another Joe Biden term in office. Oh, my God. <laughs> that made, I, I threw up a little bit in my mouth when I said that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the American voters out there, even Democrats, look at what we are in right now. A self-inflicted quagmire. I mean, just one little thing should wake everybody up. Do you know where the Mexican drug cartels are? They're not just along the Texas Arizona, New Mexico, and California borders. They're all over America. They've set up shop in Northern California, in Ohio, in Kentucky, and they are spreading their poison that they're getting from their minions that Joe Biden's southern border is wide open, and they're just bringing it in. We've done stories here at TNN Live and at truthnewsnet.org talking about the war that's going on in Northern California where drugs are legal, marijuana's legal to sell, but the Mexican cartels have come in there and they're selling stronger drugs at cheaper prices and they're driving the California farmers out of business. And if they're not leaving their businesses, they're living under threat of having their throats cut thanks to a wide-open southern border, courtesy of Joe Biden. Wow. And it doesn't get much better. It really doesn't. Let me, let's talk for a second about the GOP, Republican Party. It's supposed to be conservative. We all know that. Did you notice what happened yesterday? After the Tucker Carlson's depiction of the January 6th insurrection. I'm going to call it that because that's the way everybody knows it, even though there was no even attempted insurrection. Senate Minority Leader, Republican, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. And he was joined by some other Republican senators, and they all sided with never-Trumpers, Democrats, and the Democrat House Select Committee. They all got together and bashed Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Why? Because of his expose on unseen January 6th footage that showed a totally different take on the protest. Go figure. McConnell, he held up an email from U.S. Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger And he did it in response to Tucker's show on the January 6th footage in front of reporters. McConnell proclaimed that, with regard to the presentation on Fox News last night, I want to associate myself entirely with the opinion of the chief of the Capitol Police about what happened on January 6th. The chief's email excoriated Carlson concerning his depiction of the more than 40,000 hours of J6 Capitol surveillance footage that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy turned over to him exclusively. Some of the footage showed 
You remember this guy, the QAnon shaman, walking calmly around the inside of the Capitol? He had the assistance of a whole bunch of police officers. It showed others acting as if they were on a sightseeing tour, taking selfies, chatting with the Capitol Police while they were doing it. Tucker admitted there were those that did commit crimes by vandalism and and incitement. But he pointed out that the overwhelming majority of the thousands of protesters there that day wanted to peacefully make a statement, peacefully. Many of them wound up in jail over it and had their lives turned upside down and ruined. Steve Baker told the story about it last week right here on TNN Live. A friend of his was one of those that had gone to Washington and went to hear the speeches and see what was going to happen when President Trump got up and gave his speech that day. Nothing happened. So she and her friends walked down to the Capitol, and that was about the time the Capitol Police were standing out in front and waving people in to the Capitol. She would end with her friends. Nothing happened. She looked around saw some of the parts of the Capitol she had only seen on television like most of us, and she left. She didn't do anything. She didn't protest, even peacefully. But she was there. And that meant the FBI, with their facial recognition software, they found her. They arrested her in one of those in-the-middle-of-the-night raids They had all their automatic weapons dressed in black, a black truck, stormed her house, handcuffed her, put her in the back of that truck, took her in and arrested her. And so when all the evidence came out, it was apparent she wasn't one of the evil protesters, but going into a federal building where you're not supposed to be is a crime. And so what did they do? They did with her what they've done with hundreds of other protesters that were arrested just for being there. We don't hear their stories, do we? I'm telling you a story, and this happened more than once. They came to her and said, hey, we want to cut a deal with you. We know you didn't get into the violence, so here's what we're going to do. You plead guilty, and you'll get a $500 fine a year in jail that will cancel, and you can walk. She did it. Who wouldn't? I mean, you want to spend a year in the Washington, D.C. jail? I sure don't, and it doesn't matter if you were innocent just walking around. It was illegal what you did, and you got popped, so she cut the deal. Just three weeks ago, she was in New York City with some friends, and they went to an establishment, and to get in, you had to give people at the door of your ID, they had a scanner, ran her credentials, and a red flag popped up, flashing. And that meant she is a convicted felon for the rest of her life. How much more of that is out there? So here's our guy, Mitch McConnell, minority leader in the Senate. He is the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate. 
But he and a number of Republican senators yesterday publicly declared their support for the statements made by the Capitol Police, and they denounced Tucker's revelations. Reporters asked McConnell if it was a mistake for McCarthy to give the footage to Carlson. Here's a quote from McConnell. My concern is how it was depicted, which is a different issue. Clearly, the chief of the Capitol Police, in my view, correctly described what most of us witnessed firsthand on January 6th. McConnell said it was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. And then Senator Kevin Kramer, Republican from North Dakota, he told CNN this, to somehow put that in the same category as a permitted peaceful protest is just a lie. The best thing to do is give it to every source at the same time, let everybody go through it and play it in its entirety, and then avoid the political opinions versus just looking at the facts. Kramer told reporters regarding the release of the video footage. Tom Tillis. I've always liked and respected Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican from North Carolina. Here's what he told reporters. I think it was bullshit. I was here. I was down there. And I saw maybe a few tourists, a few people who got caught up in things. But when you see police barricades breached, when you see police officers assaulted, all of that... If you were just a tourist, you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an early basis, he said. Senator John Kennedy, my guy, senator from Louisiana, he remarked to CNN, I was here. It was not peaceful. It was an abomination. You're entitled to believe what you want in America, but you can't resort to violence to try to convince others of your point of view. Senator Mike Rounds, Republican of South Dakota, he said, I thought it was an insurrection at that time. I still think it was an insurrection today. And then Chuck Grassley, a senator that I really have a lot of respect for, Republican from Iowa. He said, the point is what happened that day shouldn't have happened. Minority Whip John Thune. Republican from San Diego, he bluntly charged, I think it was an attack on the Capitol. There were a lot of people in the Capitol at the time that were scared for their lives. And of course, Mitt Romney, Mr. Rhino, Republican in name only, he heatedly went after Tucker yesterday. Romney said, the American people saw what happened on January 6th. No, we didn't. We saw what they wanted us to see. He didn't say that. I added that. He continued, they've seen the people that got injured. They saw the damage to the building. You can't hide the truth by selectively picking a few minutes out of tapes and saying this is what went on. It's so absurd. It's nonsense. Where were you, Senator Romney, for the last two years? Where were you when they were showing selectively and often edited video? They being the select committee. Steve Baker, photojournalist, he had thousands and thousands of feet of live video from that day in D.C. He was there. He went in the Capitol. 
He has video of Ashley Babbitt right after she was killed coming out in a gurney. He didn't see the actual incident, but he was there seconds after that. Here's what he said. He said the stuff that we've seen has been edited and was edited in court. Steve Baker was in the courtroom every minute of the first Oath Keepers trial. Those Oath Keepers were those evil people that we were told they came loaded to the teeth, armed. They had all kinds of weapons. They were going to make sure they overthrew the election results that day. And, of course, we find out none of them had a gun. They weren't there to do that. They were, most of them, hired to come and protect political people that day. That's what the Oath Keepers have done. Steve said some of his video without authorization was taken by the prosecution in one of those trials and they showed it and it was completely picked apart and edited and they didn't know he was helping the defense and so they just handed the real video of the same stuff to the court and they saw it was edited and the stuff that was taken out was the stuff that made it look like it was just a peaceful going in and looking around. They have video. I saw it live where Capitol Police, two of them on the end of some of those barriers on the sidewalks going in and out of the Capitol, they just took them and pulled them back and said, I heard them say it, come on in. You can go in this way. Americans can handle it. If we get the facts, and if you, Mitch McConnell, you want to stand up there and blast what happened, you're blasting and damning the First Amendment. We as Americans, we deserve and were owed to get factual information. Factual, especially from our government. You guys work for us. We're paying your salaries. Give us the facts. Here's what really went on. This stuff has been protected. All of the storylines about January 6th, it's been protected for over two years. And everybody knew it was going to ruffle some feathers when Tucker Carlson started bringing this real video unedited to the American people. And boy, it happened. Starting night before last, that January 6th footage triggered responses from all over the place. Video showed how that shaman was there. He was in the Capitol. He wasn't doing anything violent. He went around looking, just like most of the people that were there. And I just told you a minute ago, Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, he didn't run out on his own by himself like a coward, but he had been with an entire group of lawmakers and he made sure they were all ushered out of the building before he left. Tucker said about that 
those that were up there talking about Hawley, they are liars, he said. That is now conclusive. So before last night, the second night of coverage related to all this footage, Capitol Police Chief Manger issued an internal email to his officers worthy of inclusion in George Orwell's 1984. He told the ranks what they were supposed to glean from the unedited clips and the commentary that was filled with offensive and misleading conclusions about the January 6th attack. One false allegation, he said, is that our officers helped the rioters and acted as tour guides. This is outrageous and false, he said. The department stands by the officers in the video that was shown last night, Manger, by the way, hadn't joined the Capitol Police until he was appointed chief. When? In July of 2021. He wasn't part of it. I don't have to remind you how outnumbered our officers were on January 6th. Those officers did their best to use de-escalation tactics to try to talk to rioters into getting each other to leave the building. He said the program, now he's talking about Monday night's version, release of that video on Tucker Carlson's show. He said the program conveniently cherry-picked from the calmer moments of our 41,000 hours of video. The commentary fails to provide context about the chaos and the violence that happened before or during these less tense moments. The opinion program never reached out to the department to provide accurate context. (laughs) Like they reached out to CNN and MSNBC and ABC, CBS and NBC News after they began their totally edited reports during and after for two and a half years portraying what happened and who were involved as all criminals, and it was criminal activity. Both of their points, Manger's points, appeared to be a he said, she said, as Carlson stated during his Monday broadcast, quote, but we do take security seriously. So before airing any of this video, we checked first with Capitol Police, We're happy to say their reservations were minor, and for the most part, they were reasonable. In the end, the only change that we made was in blurring the details of a single interior door in the Capitol building. You're unlikely to even notice it when we show you, and we're confident it does not affect our reporting. Of course, this supposed issue of cherry-picking would be non-existent if the January 6th committee hadn't withheld the thousands of hours for 26 months. And instead, they let the American people see all that unfolded within the halls of the Capitol where their public servants work for them. Manger's final comment. Finally, the most disturbing accusation from last night was that our late friend and colleague Brian Sicknick's death had nothing to do with his 
historic and heroic actions on J6. Manger said that, zeroing in on what is perhaps the one claim from that day that is wholly unfalsifiable. The department maintains, as anyone with common sense would, that had Officer Sicknick not fought valiantly for hours on the day he was violently assaulted, Officer Sicknick would not have died the next day. The medical examiner determined Sicknick had died after suffering two strokes in the wake of the Capitol breach, but no specific interaction that day could be directly attributed to his cause of death. That didn't stop Mitch McConnell from waving around Manger's letter as gospel yesterday as he too voiced his displeasure alongside the left with Tucker casting light in the darkest places of the swamp. Manger closed by speaking directly to his officers. Why would he do that? Why would he do that and make it or let it go public. Just saying. Here's what he said. As some people select from 41,000 hours of video clips that seemingly support the narrative they want to push, those of you who were here on January 6th, those of you who were here in the fight, those of you who ensured that no member of Congress was hurt, those of you contributed to the effort to allow the country's legislative process to continue know firsthand what actually happened. You fought like hell on January 6th, he said. Risk your lives to protect the Constitution and everything this country stands for. You, along with our law enforcement partners, saved every member of Congress and their staff. TV commentary will not record the truth for our history books. The justice system will. The truth and justice are on our side, he concluded. And let me just say this. After spending days and hours immersed in all of this stuff, Manger is a bald-faced liar. Capitol Hill police in the dozens have come forward as whistleblowers. And now their stories are going to start coming out. I, I got to be honest with you folks. I'm going to finish this segment up. I'm going to be honest with you. I got to I got to tell you. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I am seeing the likes of these senators led by Mitch McConnell standing up in front of cameras and they are refuting with no facts, no evidence. They are refuting what you and I are seeing in just two nights of video that was never given to us. We never saw it before. And they're griping about us seeing it? Who would do that? Who would gripe about that in our government? It's real simple. The swampsters. And what I saw yesterday and what many of you saw were Republicans standing side by side, arm in arm, with Democrats who now are all complicit and portraying and perpetrating the lie of January 6th. And if you put all of that in context of what's been going on the last years, now ask the question, was the election in 2020 safe? Was it honest? Was it real? 
Are the results that put Joe Biden in office real? Hey, government leaders, why don't you do this? Why don't you give us all of the materials? Why don't you comment on that documentary, 2,000 Mules, and pick it apart with evidence that disputes what I saw with my own eyes and millions of others saw? You know what's going on in the nation right now and why? Leadership in Washington and I hate to even say this, but I'm going to, and I'm putting it in a context of what we are seeing and what I'm living through. Our government is in the tank for the left. There are a lot of people that number among those 535 members of Congress that are really good people, that are really honest, Democrats and Republicans. But I think the scale has tipped, and I think more of them, I think more of them are in the tank than there are that are in the the support of the Constitution in the United States. And if any lawmakers are listening right now, and I know there are several that listen to this show every day, let me say this. You either start giving us the facts, raw, unedited facts about everything, or we're going to see to it that somebody that will give us facts will work for us, takes your spot in 2024. I guarantee it. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Can I get a... Uh, uh, can I get a... Uh, yeah, can I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, uh, Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Holidays abroad. Can we, can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation! We could share a yurt. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. <laughs> we've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. 
Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni, you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Yesterday, Steve Baker was on our show as he is every Tuesday, if you remember. You remember he segued into the conversation about Tariq Johnson? Tariq Johnson, a Capitol police officer who served 22 years there, working for the Capitol Police in D.C., 22 years, until he was suspended related to a January 6th event that ultimately led him to resign his post. So, Tucker had him on last night. And Johnson talked to Tucker, and some of the things he said, he said his duty was to protect the senators during the 2020 election certification, and video that aired by Fox News showed him unilaterally moving to evacuate those lawmakers after his request to his upline people, for direction, got no response at all. Tariq said, so I ask over the radio and I say something to the effect that we need direction. We have hundreds of people inside of the building. What do you want us to do? We need some direction. I got, I heard no response, no response at all. Now think about that in the context of what you and I have been told. He got no response. Now, What's that all about? You remember about three weeks ago, Steve Baker was here and he had interviewed a bunch of the Capitol Police officers, several of them anonymously. They weren't ready to come out and be a real whistleblower. But he said there was no communication from the people at the top of the Capitol Police during the event. They had not been prepared And what do leaders do in any organization when you know something bad is coming down the pike and you know something that's good coming down the pike? What do you do? You prepare for it. You get everybody in line that's going to be part of whatever it is, good or bad. You get them educated to what's going on. You tell them what the process needs to be and what it's going to be and how to do it. That's leadership. I forget the woman's name, and I'm probably, well, I'm not probably, I'm being politically incorrect by using the W. Female, African-American, was at the top of the communication to the Capitol Hill police on the ground. She gave nothing in the way of warnings, preparation, what should we do, and that's who Tariq was talking to or trying to talk to when he said what he said last night about Tucker, I got no response. No response, he said. And what he said to Tucker pointed blame in the direction of leaders like then-assistant chief Yoganada Pittman, 
who was elevated to acting chief by then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in the days following the breach, despite, as Johnson alleged, withholding vital information about these protests. He said, we should have been better prepared that day, and we could have been better prepared that day if the information was disseminated like it was supposed to be. Now this, again, is the Capitol Police that everybody just forgot about, Tariq Johnson. So his account did not support the narrative that was peddled by the January 6th committee. Go figure, right? And he had been suspended following the events of the day. It's no wonder that Johnson was not called to testify. And that still surprised him. And by the way, just to tell you, Tariq Johnson, when this was all going on, coming out last night, he was having dinner with Steve Baker in Washington, D.C. You know, I, let, let me just ask you, are those people up there just plain stupid? Do those people that work in these bureaus in our government, I'm talking about the bureaucrats. I'm not necessarily talking about those that we elect, but the people that stay through administration after administration. You know who I'm talking about. On the ground kind of people that are everyday folks. Are they just plain stupid? Do they not see what's going on? I mean, let's start at the top. Who controls, who is over the security for the United States Capitol? It's split up. How's it split up? Well, you've got some elected people at the top. Who was in the top? Was it Chuck Schumer? No. Mitch McConnell was the majority leader in the Senate, and he was working with Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. And every day now, we're finding out more and more stuff where neither of them took any preparations, passed out anything to do and anything not to do to protect the Capitol and all the the people that were in it. None of them. It starts at the top. Leadership failed. Leadership at the Capitol Police failed. Maybe it was because they got bad information or no information at all, but leadership that day in Washington sucked, if there was any. Tariq Johnson said, I prayed almost daily that they would get to me. I was never asked to testify. He's talking about the January 6th committee. He wanted to go tell the truth. I was never asked by anybody connected to that committee to testify. I asked myself why every day. And every day I might have had a different answer. But they didn't ask me. You know, pretty much they focused on the orange man, Donald Trump, and not the failures of the Capitol Police. As to why he was suspended, the former officer, he detailed to Tucker that he had come to be adorned with a Make America Great Again hat. Oh my gosh, the red hat. African-American guy in uniform wearing a MAGA hat. What are you going to think? He's a turncoat. 
And he was wearing it outside the Capitol. And after being captured on video, I mean, it's an obvious sight, a Capitol cop that day wearing a MAGA hat. It presented a pretty bad image for a policeman who did not want to be associated with the protesters. Now, he said last night in the interview, it's not in the stuff that I'm looking at now, but last night I heard him in the interview, and he said the reason he did it, he felt like it would open up in the crowd a way for him to go and move through and make sure everybody that is an elected official was safe. That's why he put it on. Tariq said, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, thank you, God, for blessing me with this hat. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, wow, I wish this hat never came in my life. And by the way, he voted for Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Just thought I'd throw that in there. While he was outside, someone had placed a hat on his head while he was moving through the crowd on the steps and after... They asked for it back. He requested to keep it for self-preservation and de-escalation. I figure if I had the hat on, it'd be easier for me to navigate my way through the crowd. Makes sense to me. It was basically self-preservation and de-escalation, and I needed to get up those steps. I couldn't say what would have happened walking through that crowd without it. Just as the footage aired by Tucker was self-evident, The former officer's story spoke for itself as he said, I think that some people there had planned on being violent. Some people may have turned violent after what they were going through. I think that people wanted to support their president. They wanted to, some of those people wanted just to support him. And some of those people didn't commit violence and some of those people didn't plan on it. Even still, current U.S. Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger unloaded on Tucker, and I told you what he said. Now, Manger did not seem to be including Tariq Johnson when he made that claim, and the argument that the department stands by the officers in the video that was shown last night, and he was referring to those evidently escorting the QAnon shaman to the Senate floor. Can you believe we're actually having this conversation two years later? (laughs) I just just can't believe that we are. I've got some more. i got to be honest, we, we could do three days of shows with specifics that are coming out now, not just in the Tucker Carlson release videos, But the reactions from people like Mitch McConnell, (laughs) I can't get over it. He was the majority leader in the Senate that day for the Republican Party. And he is damning Tucker Carlson for showing the American people the whole banana. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Here's what we're going to do. It's... We've been, on, we've been on this topic for an, an hour now, hour and four minutes or so. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I've got some other things. I want you to hear from some people about something other than that. But stay with us for the whole hour coming up because I've got some more of this stuff 
what can I call it but stuff? I could call it something nasty, but I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I said the S-H-I-T word earlier, but how many times do you hear that every day, huh? Oh, by the way, this is TNN Live, a production of truthnewsnet.org, and we are so happy that you are here. We're here to be your servants. But let me tell you one thing. For those of you that are here, by the way, we had our biggest audience of the year yesterday talking about this stuff. But those of you that are here, you're here for hungry proof. You want the proof, the real deal. I'm going to give it to you. We write stories, and on this show, we tell you about it every day. The show is better when you're a part of it, so be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN, live, the Truth News Network, or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60. Take on life in style. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. keeps going around and even when our um, January 6th stuff is front and center I, I, I was just thinking about this you realize we're going to hear about this all the way up to and through the election in 2024 it's not going to go away and we're going to hear every kind of imaginable option what happened and why and who were the perpetrators who did this and who didn't do that and everybody's going to try to grab it all, put it in their bucket and make their party 
and their elected officials and their bureaucrats look good and absolutely look better than those on the other side. And so it's critical during a time like this. And we are, we're already in an election cycle. You do understand we've got a Republican that is declared. We have another one. I can't even say his first name that has declared. Ron DeSantis hadn't clear, uh, declared. We've got uh, the former governor of South Carolina that has declared, Nikki Haley. On the Democrat side, nobody said anything that I know of, but we are already in an election cycle, and I don't like it, but it is what it is. Do you know the name Chris Sununu? Chris Sununu, former governor of New Hampshire. He's probably going to run. He doesn't have real good name recognition. And I mean, he was the governor of a small state, and I get it. There's nothing wrong with our small states. But when you're a governor there, you're stuck up in the northeast above New York. Very few people hear about you. So he hadn't said anything. But Sunday, he was on NBC with one of our favorite sycophants at NBC News, Chuck Todd, listen to Sununu and Chuck Todd. What do you think Rupert Murdoch and Fox News need to do to regain some trust uh, after what we've learned about this? And are you at all concerned you can have an honest conversation with Fox viewers? Oh, oh, I don't think it's just Fox. I, I mean, I'll put them in there, but all of media, all of television media, and everyone has to own a little bit uh, of the lack of trust, the lack of accountability. It's okay to get something wrong in the news, but you got to come back and own it. And whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or, or you know, whatever, everyone just has to own it. As a governor, I might try four or five things, and if one or two don't work, I'll say, hey, that didn't work. What about intentionally but lying to it, viewers? We can acknowledge it. We can pay yeah. the funding. Intentionally lying to viewers, though, that, that to me well, seemed to cross look, the line. You can make a mistake, but that's, that wasn't a mistake. So explain to me that, look, I'm not defending anybody because I think you're all, you're all in the same basket. I really do. But I could go to CNN when they talk, when they're going to ignore the, the Hunter Biden laptop story. We could talk about the virus coming, truly coming out of the lab in Wuhan. We could talk about a lot of different things. If you're not owning that you misrepresented the story, whether it was intentional or not, yeah. uh, everybody does it. And that's the problem. America is losing faith in media. And you guys have right. a huge opportunity to regain that. But right now, my message to Fox News is build your ratings, build your audience, yep. go bigger. Because if we don't go bigger as a Republican Party, we can't win in November. So I want them to talk to independents more, not change our values or who we are or yep. what we're talking about as Republicans, but get more uh, opportunistic about the chance to bring more people in. You know why I brought that soundbite to you? Not because I dislike Chuck Todd, because he is a hardcore leftist, and he believes very heavily in changing the reality of the facts and the stories that he reports. I, I, I just never have understood why NBC has kept him around, because he's really not good. Chris Sununu made a really good point there. You know, everybody's not going to think alike. We're individuals. Now, on the other side of the political aisle, they don't like that. They want everybody to think the same way. And of course, they want to control what everybody thinks and how they relate to it. Sununu talking about sycophants in the news. All of the jaded stories that we hear where someone, if they're, I guess, self-thinking, 
They'll present a story and give their perspective on the story. And then it should be heard from a different source with maybe a different perspective. That is okay. It's okay. Why? Here we are, Americans out here. We don't get to do the research, the investigation, and often we don't get to see any of it. What we only see from every network is how they feel like the truth has got to be portrayed and that you and I as individuals, we don't have the common sense of brains to interpret the raw facts and come up with the real answers. There aren't many news networks out there that believe in just giving us the stuff and walking away. I remember back in the old days, C-SPAN was supposed to be, you know, it's a network owned by the American people. It's supposed to be right down the middle. Here's the stuff. Make your own choices. Nope, they're far left now. Every one of the broadcast news networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, far left. MSNBC, CNN, far left. And then you have a handful on the right. You have... Uh, Fox News, of course. You have Newsmax. You have a couple of other ones. And they tend to be more right down the middle and more willing to give us the facts and let us interpret for ourselves. But they still jade it. Now, let me tell you something that's going on right now. Uh, There's some stuff out there that is going to be really, really ugly. What Chuck Todd was talking about was what happened in the depositions for the leadership at Fox News, they filed a lawsuit, they being uh, Dominion Voting Machines, their parent company, they filed a lawsuit against Fox News for disparaging their equipment regarding alleged miscounting and miscalculations and the abuse of data in the twenty. 20 election. And it's a big deal. I think it's a billion dollar suit that's that's filed out there. So in depositions and in evidence release and some of the stuff that's been filed in that lawsuit, there are some things that make Fox News not look bad. Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, and was Mitt Romney's running mate when he ran against uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden in their second term, he looks really bad in it. And there's a lot of exposure there. But my point in bringing that up, just imagine if we had the same ability to pull back the covers and look at the other networks, look at their inner workings, look how management shapes what we see and hear on television and radio in the way of news. I say this pretty often. When I was growing up, we had three television networks, ABC, CBS, NBC. We got a local newscast. It originally was 15 minutes, and then it expanded to 30 minutes immediately after 30 minutes of national news. And so we heard what they reported, and back then, all three of them, pretty much on every story, came out with the same version. So here we are today, and I look back at the 1970s, the 1960s, 
And I'm beginning to ask this question every time. Was Walter Cronkite really telling us the truth? Or was he jading it to align with his political perspective? Back then, we never even thought about it, did we? The news was the news. We thought. (laughs) We didn't know. But we thought we had no reason to think otherwise. I just, it gets in my crawl. I mean, a huge part of what we do here is investigate and look into things. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I got a phone call yesterday from Lieutenant General Mike Flynn. He's going to be on the, the show. Uh, if not this week, certainly next week, and I'll let you know when he's coming in. But he's going to weigh in on all this insanity Novel idea, somebody from the inside (laughs) wants the truth to come out. And boy, he's been included in a lot of stuff. When we had him on the show here last time he came, he was under siege. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And he's out there banging the gong, giving unfettered facts for people to digest. And I love that. It's kind of cool he was listening to uh, Steve Baker on the show yesterday. (laughs) Steve is in the middle of it, folks, and he's in a dangerous position. For those of you that are Christians and praying, pray for him for safety because he has jumped right into the middle of all this stuff. And the fact that much of the video that you've seen and others have seen on the January 6th stuff, much of it was taken by Steve Baker. In fact, networks around the world have reached out and they had that footage. And of course, some of that got him, Steve, in trouble with the uh, FBI because it was the facts. Go figure. The First Amendment is under siege by our own government. That's what this is all about. Speaking of our own government, one of the things that's kind of been clouded in all this January 6th stuff is what's going on at our southern border. I know you won't be shocked when I tell you that they're still flooding across the southern border. They're still bringing fentanyl and other illegal drugs in. They're still trafficking children. Oh my gosh, Steve Baker again. Remember, several months ago, he was inserted into a, uh, a secret investigation on the ground in Houston where they were going out and talking to and trying to help these kids that had been coming across the southern border and they were being used for child prostitutes. And I hate to even talk about the other stuff, trafficking. It's rampant. Nobody wants to talk about it. And so... My question to you is why would the president, I've, I've asked this every day, why would he not adhere to his oath of office and to support the rule of law? Because that's what's happening down there. He's turning his back on immigration law, federal immigration law that is blatantly being violated every day. Well, numbering among those 2 million illegals that have come in, just in the last couple of years, are a bunch of kids. And I'm not talking about babies. There's a bunch of them, but mostly kids in their, you know, middle school, junior high school, a lot of them. What's happening to them? 
You know what's happening? We're finding out. They're going to work in a lot of blue-collar jobs, and they're being abused. And you know who is not only aware of it, but has green-lighted it? The White House. Dana Lash is a nationally syndicated radio host. I mean, this is probably I mean, up there with one of the biggest Biden scandals yet, Dana. Is he going to survive this? Probably. It's indentured servitude. That's what Democrats are engaged in right now. Democrat policies at the entirely open southern border have resulted in the indentured servitude of hundreds of thousands of kids, Jesse. And in that New York Times piece, which, like you, I'll give them credit for doing a really good story. I mean, kudos to them on this because this is actually real investigative journalism. They found that just in the past couple of years alone, a quarter of a million kids have crossed into the United States illegally through the completely open southern border as part of Democrats' open border policy all by themselves. And what's even crazier is that our government has lost touch with about 85,000 of them. <laughs> and a third of those, the New York Times noted, they don't even have any idea where they went. Now, you played that audio soundbite, Jesse, of uh, Karine Jean-Pierre trying to blame the Trump administration. Do you remember everyone freaking out when they were trying to verify that kids were actually crossing into the country with an adult that they knew or their families or parents? And everyone was saying, oh, it's child separation, this policy that actually was enacted under Obama by Biden continued under Trump and then he and then it was ended under that uh, that administration. It was to prevent kids from being sold into child labor like what we're seeing or being dropped off with like random people in Florida. I mean, there's a significant number of kids, according to this New York Times piece, who are coming in and not even going with family members or adults that they know. I didn't see AOC down there staging any photos. I didn't see Kamala Harris going down there and staging any photos. Democrats are all lip service. But what this is, Jesse, is indentured servitude. That is the Democrats immigration policy. And I hope everybody remembers that going into 2024 and remembers it when they're buying their lucky charms and their Ben and Jerry's. I mean, I thought they were coming NJ here to crew, be like Michelle Obama. Loves. <laughs> right. She loves that brand. NJ crew. Yeah. Uh, paging J crew. Uh, any comment on this? We're going to follow up on this later in the week. Thank you so much, Dana. Just think about that. Kids are coming across and many of them are coming across with adults that or purporting to be at the southern border, oh, I'm I'm their uncle, and they're with me. They, of course, don't have any documentation, no way to prove anything. So what do they do? Well, what they should do is come up with a plan, maybe that one where we send them back to where they came from because that's what the law says we're supposed to do. Well, forget about that one. They're not going to do that. So what is this all about? Here we go. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money. So what does money do? It gives people the opportunities to do a bunch more. And therefore, that makes it okay to break the law, to be inhumane to be putting these kids, elementary school, I'm talking about six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11-year-olds, putting them in blue-collar jobs, standing in manufacturing facilities, working on assembly lines. I got to be honest with you. It sounds to me like China. Doesn't it to you? North Korea. They have no respect for the family unit 
for parents nurturing their children, getting them in school and working with them as they grow through these years. These kids are being trafficked from countries all around the world, and they're coming here. Now, let me tell you, it's, it's evil enough for the people that are doing it. It's evil enough for a very, very nasty administration to allow and even to push these kind of things to happen. But none of it would happen if these big companies that are hiring these kids would not do it. Why are they doing it? The love of money is the root of all evil. If we try, folks, we can come up with a way to justify anything if the number one objective for what we're doing is money. Speaking of money, you think any of that money that's being made on the backs of these kids who obviously they're not in the system, they have no social security number, they're probably getting paid, if anything, paltry amounts. Who's involved in that and why? It doesn't matter. It's against the law. It's inhumane. That should be enough to stop people from doing those things. But you know what? Evil, it is so powerful, it permeates any place that it's given just a crack to get in. And it'll spoil everything. Think about these kids and what lives they have ahead. It's not a good story. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic DSSV shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. You want to go a little faster? Go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Nervous? Oh, Blaze. Brings back so many good memories. Remember our road trip in 97? Our first real heart-to-heart. I've never seen any of your movies! Not even the one through it together! Hey, do you remember when that stalker kidnapped us? Yes! Blaze was there. Blaze. Do you have barbecue? Or a cheddar jalapeno? Oh, remember when we stumbled into that turf war? Remember when you bought your first house? Those were good times. They were golden. You ready? Seth, do you? I do. And Janet, do you? That's a yes.
For all those of you that are listening live right now, I want to thank you for doing that. There are a lot of people that would love to be here listening every day, but I got to be honest with you. It's two hours. It's Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Most folks don't have the ability that you and I have to set aside two hours in the middle of their morning, but they want to and would like to hear these shows and the people, that, the information that are on it. So how do you do that? I'm, you may not know this, but at the end of every show, they end up being picked up by a bunch of podcast sites. Um, I try to remember the big ones. Sometimes I forget. But let me let me try. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, da, 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 da. Um, Amazon's podcast. There are about 37 different sites. So the name of the show technically is TNN Live. And if you go to any of these podcast support places where you can go pick up a show, go to the search bar and put open quotation marks, capital T-N-N, capital L-I-V-E with an exclamation point, close quotation marks. It'll pop up immediately and you can bookmark it. Every show that we do shortly after the show's over is loaded there and will be there forever. And there's an index right when you come up from the search and my ugly mug caricature kind of thing comes up. Below it is an index of the shows and the latest show is always at the top. Share a link. Tell somebody about it. Uh, We do this regularly. I was in Israel for 10 days. We were successful doing about half of the shows live. We did a few delayed, and it was because that's eight hours difference, and uh, when you're over there doing a lot of sightseeing and doing work, it's hard to work on a clock like that, but we did get that done, and occasionally we go on the road. That's the first time we've been on the road where we had any problems on timing to be getting the show live. But anyway, even then, you can go pick it up at these sites. Well, let's get back to business. Let me go back and see. I had some things that I wanted to talk to you about. Let's go to the White House. Corinne Jean-Pierre, she is the keeper of all reality, news, stuff for President Biden. So if we do an honest look at all the political fallout over January 6th, you got to include a look ahead to the upcoming presidential election and the possibility of Donald Trump becoming president for a second time. Let me just say this. My, uh, my perfect scenario for president and vice president, I think it would be perfect to have Donald Trump for four more years as president with Ron DeSantis is his vice president for four years. At the end of those four, DeSantis runs for president and serves two terms. To me, that would be the panacea for all we're going through. Just saying. Well, Democrats, they keep painting a protest that got out of hand as an insurrection. I'm talking about January 6th. A Trump-inspired attempt to overthrow the government even though the so-called insurrectionists didn't have guns, didn't have a distinguishable leader, unless you consider the QAnon shaman who stormed the Capitol in horns, 
<laughs> That's what NBC News said about it. He stormed the Capitol in horns. <laughs> the new footage, the real footage, shows that it wasn't quite storming, wasn't anything close to it. He was a tourist. So in that context, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, she ran with that baton yesterday in her press briefing, and she set up nicely by a reporter who asked about Fox's Tucker Carlson shaking the political class to its core on Monday of this week when he aired the first exclusive video footage of the January 6th stuff, claiming that the House Select Committee appointed by former Speaker Nancy Pelosi was lying about an insurrection. Last night, Tucker Carlson cherry-picked video surveillance from the January 6th insurrection, severely downplaying the events of that day. Her media ally began. He said the mob was orderly and meek and that they were tourists instead of insurrectionists. What's your response to Carlson and to Speaker Kevin McCarthy who granted him access to that video? That's from the reporter. Jean-Pierre said, anybody who watched that video would strongly disagree. Anybody who watched that video with their own eyes in a real way and saw what happened on that day would disagree with what was just stated, Jean-Pierre said. Well, I'm anybody. I'm anybody. I watched it with my own eyes in a real way. (laughs) And I saw what happened that day, and it was exactly what the video showed. I'm just saying. I don't know that she's an empty suit, but if she's not, she's as close as one could get. I thought her predecessor was not a very good press secretary. Jean-Pierre? She wasn't through talking, though. She said, the president has been very clear. January 6th was the worst attack in our democracy since the Civil War. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) She's an African-American. She's gay. I I just look at the Civil War as a pretty good deal for people that fall into that mode, don't you? But anyway, January 6th, she said, was the worst attack in our democracy since the Civil War. We should be, like in the Civil War, we... We went after our democracy to tear it up. No, we went to put it in place and give everybody equal rights, right? So, the other stuff that we talk about in this, put her saying that in the context of it. And she said we should be focused on making sure that never happens again. I know Minority Leader McConnell, Senator Chuck Schumer have already said this, and would hope that keeping the Capitol and Congress safe and secure remains congressional leaders' number one goal. She went on to call January 6th one of the darkest days of our democracy. But that remarkable assertion ignored some pretty significant events in history, like, according to KJP, the January 6th protest takes precedence over World War I. World War II, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the 9-11 Islamic terrorist attack on the U.S. We got to get down to the bottom of what happened, she said. Again, it was an attack on our democracy. I'll just leave it there. 
Jean-Pierre added, which is what the politically motivated J6 committee was supposed to have done when it was first appointed two years ago. There can be no doubt January 6 remains an unfortunate day in our history. The violence, the law-breaking were an embarrassment to our nation and is a stain on the concept of the rule of law. Of course, that's what Joe Biden promised that he was going to support, and he doesn't, but that's another story. There still appears to be much we don't know, including who first breached the Capitol, and we don't know anything about the FBA's actual role in the events. There are things leaking out that we know there were FBI agents planted among those in the crowd. What they were planted for is still unclear. The one thing any rational person would agree is that it was not an insurrection. It was not an insurrection. It was a protest, no doubt about it, that went bad. And by the way, we see those happen all the time. Nobody on the left damns any of those Black Lives Matter, any of the other far-left or far-right groups that are protesting and doing protests that turn into riots. This one was a little different. Tucker, last night, he called out Chuck Schumer in response to what he said was a call for censorship. Chuck Schumer went on the Senate floor yesterday to explode and to say that showing that video, evidence of wrongdoing by the federal government, including the security forces, the police department that Nancy Pelosi personally controlled, letting the public see any of that as a threat to democracy? Now, that's Tucker Cawley. He, by the way, is the co-founder of The Daily Caller, and he's an honorary board member of The Daily Caller News Foundation. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. That's Chuck Schumer talking yesterday from the Senate floor. Chuck, he's a piece of work. Republican Representative Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, gave Carlson access to all that video. Previous reports indicated that the amount of footage was only 14,000 hours. 41,000 is the real number. Tucker said, you don't often see the Senate Majority Leader openly call for censorship when he's down on the floor of the Senate, as if that was totally normal, didn't contradict the spirit and the letter of the First Amendment. And then Tucker called out Republican Senators Mitch McConnell, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, and Mitt Romney of Utah for agreeing with Chuck Schumer. Let me me tell you what this is doing. This is exposing people. We've suspected all of this. We've used the term rhino, Republican in name only, for years. I don't understand how a true conservative, a true purveyor of the rule of law supporting the Constitution, how they could possibly support what Chuck Schumer said. McConnell He blasted Carlson for releasing the footage, citing that letter he waved in the air by police chief, Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger. 
From this, we learn two things. One, you're getting close to what they really care about, and you have to ask yourself, why? Why is it so important that they would degrade themselves by telling such obvious lies and calling for censorship? Why? What and who are they trying to protect? That might be worth exploring. And Tucker said, we plan to. And the second thing we learned is that they're on the same side. Tom Tillis, Mitt Romney, Chuck Schumer. (laughs) They're all on the same side. So you investigate. You don't find things out unless you look into them. Sometimes when you look into them, you find, hey, everything's okay. But in this case, nope. What does it mean? The swamp is alive and it's doing pretty darn good in its quest to push us towards whatever you want to call it. It's a government, it's a life that is no longer what they want to be, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. They want to be in charge. You just can't get away from it. But that's what we're going to do for the last part of the show. We're going to get away with it. Trey Gowdy. I really would like to hear Trey Gowdy weigh in on all this. I haven't heard. He may already have. I like Trey Gowdy a lot. He's a former representative in the U.S. Congress, former federal prosecutor. He ripped the Department of Justice yesterday, questioning why they're not going after rioters in Atlanta who face state charges of a domestic terrorist act. They had to travel in interstate commerce to get to Georgia, which means where's the Department of Justice? Where's the Attorney General, Merrick Garland? Where's the U.S. Attorney's Office? I mean, a Molotov cocktail is an unregistered explosive device. Arson can be a federal crime. They are traveling in interstate commerce, which is an element of a federal offense, and they're doing other crimes. So where's the DOJ? He's talking about rioters who attacked the construction site for a law enforcement training facility over the weekend that led to at least 23 being arrested on charges of domestic terrorism after construction equipment was burned. That site was the scene of a violent protest following an incident during which a left-wing activist was shot and killed on January 18th. One of those arrested in the weekend riots, okay, listen closely. The guy was a lawyer with the Southern Poverty Law Center, which blamed police for escalating tactics, claiming their staff member was a, quote, legal observer on behalf of the National Lawyers Guild. (laughs) We know Merrick Garland doesn't like domestic terrorism. He said that when some parents got together in Virginia, he never misses a chance to do something about what he thinks is right-wing extremism. So how about this? How about this one? Here's everything that I don't get. For years, Gowdy said, in years, 
The left has been telling us we need more training for law enforcement. We need to have more de-escalation training. We need to train them on proper use of force. And here you have a training facility. That's what this is, a training facility. And these spoiled brats want to firebomb it. So publish the names of anybody who donates money to get these spoiled brat anarchists out of jail. Publish the names of the people who think it's a good idea to have them back out on the streets. Attorney General Garland, he asked Congress to provide an additional $34 million to fund further prosecutions for those involved in the January 6th riot at the Capitol building in October. The Justice Department has come under fire for allegedly harsh conditions on those held before the trial and the pursuit of lengthy prison sentences while not filing similar charges over riots following the death of George Floyd back in 2020. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to the Southern Poverty Law Center. That is an organization that was organized, put together years ago, decades ago, in the South, made up of lawyers who principally were charged to make sure that the civil rights of African-American people were not, were not attacked by anybody. Now think about in the context of what we're talking about, what this group did. What does that have to do with the founding principles of the Southern Poverty Law Center? And by the way, that representative that was there, he's an Antifa sympathizer. Ooh, Antifa. I thought it was one of those skinhead, tatted up rednecks from the South. Nope, African-American guy. African-American guy who's an Antifa supporter. When you hear stories about things and all of the pieces, they don't come together the way they should, think that through. Think it through what I just told you. African-American guy, Southern Poverty Law Center representative, Atlanta, Georgia, and they're going after a cop training center, brand new, And he's an Antifa supporter. It's called totalitarianism. We're moving that way. Now, there is something that uh, it it just didn't sit well with me. Officer Brian Sicknick. He had two strokes, they said. Of course, we heard for weeks and months that he was beaten to death that day. He didn't die that day. He died two days later. Official cause of death, two strokes. The family of Officer Brian Sicknick, they're really mad at Tucker Carlson over his attempt to expose the truth about Sicknick's death. So they issued a statement to CNN late Monday this week, and in this statement they attacked Carlson and Fox News for allegedly doing the bidding of former President Donald Trump by airing previously unseen footage from that day, January 6th. The Sicknick family is outraged at the ongoing attack at our family 
by the unscrupulous and outright sleazy so-called news network of Fox News who will do the bidding of Trump or any of his sycophant followers no matter what damage is done to the families of the fallen, the officers who put their lives on the line, and all who suffered on J6 due to the lie started by Trump and spread by sleaze-slinging outlets like Fox News. That's pretty heavy allegations they're throwing around, and they weren't through. Listen to this. Quote, Fox has shown time and time again they're a little more than the propaganda arm of the Republican Party, and like Pravda, will do whatever they're told to, keep the hatred and the lies flowing while suppressing anything resembling the truth. Fox does this not for any sense of morality, as they have none, but for the quest for every penny of advertising money they can get, and they get it from those who buy airtime from them. It's well past time that we move past Trump, past the GOP, and all of the lies which have severely weakened and divided us as a nation, and start seeking the truth. Well, here I am on the other side of all that. And so when I heard this full of allegations from the Sicknick family, I started asking questions. Not clear to me how Fox News is suppressing anything resembling the truth, simply playing the surveillance clips from the January 6th riot that had been ignored and not given or showed to the American people by the partisan one-sided January 6th Congressional Committee. I mean, that makes sense to me. What about you? In fact, Fox News' argument is that it's exposing the truth by letting the public obtain the full picture of what happened that day. Novel idea. Give them the facts. Good, bad, ugly, give them the facts. And it's not also clear to me how Fox News is promoting hatred and lies by, once again, exposing the truth of what happened that day. Tucker Carlson claims that Fox has been looking over the video feeds from the Capitol with full access supplied by our disgusting excuse for a House speaker for the truth. Carlson's truth is to pick and choose footage that supports his delusional views that the J6 insurrection was peaceful and that Ashley Babbitt was some kind of martyr because she was shot in the process of breaking into the Capitol building, which is not true. She was not trying to break into the Capitol building. She was inside the Capitol building, was unarmed, was trying to walk through a door that had been knocked down into another part of the Capitol building, I saw the video, close-up video, probably millions of Americans saw it, a Capitol police cop shot her from behind. She wasn't harming anybody. She wasn't armed. She was certainly not exhibiting deadly force, which is a prerequisite for any policeman to even draw a weapon. He shot her on the left side of her neck severed in an artery, and she bled out. By the way, Carlson hasn't released any footage depicting Babbitt. 
He said his team was enabled to obtain footage of her. That's according to Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, By the way, Steve Baker has it. Also, Carlson has never said the January 6th riot was peaceful. He has, however, correctly argued that some of the men and women seen parading through the Capitol building during the riot had acted peacefully. While making a criminal out to be a martyr, he is also downplaying the horrid situation faced by the United States Capitol Police and D.C. Metro Police who were incredibly outnumbered and were literally fighting for their very lives. One officer, Brian Sicknick, lost that fight the following day. Several more officers lost that fight in the following weeks. On video, Officer Signet looks like he managed to shake off the chemical irritants and resume his duties. That he did. But a sense of duty and incredible work ethic were the driving force which sent him back in spite of his injuries and no doubt contributed to his succumbing to his injuries the following day. Now here's where things get a little bit dicey, a little bit controversial. Sicknick's family attributed his two strokes and the suicide of several of his buddies to what happened during the riot. But Tucker pushed back on this narrative by offering video evidence that debunks the idea that any of the officers were that severely harmed that day. That footage includes a clip of Sicknick appearing to be comfortably and easily patrolling the Capitol even after he was attacked by a couple of the rioters. His family concluded in their statement by calling for the silencing of Carlson and others like him who were seeking to expose the truth. Here's what it said. What will it take to silence the lies from people like Carlson? Just think about that. Uh, First Amendment? What will it take to convince people that the January 6th insurrection was very real, was very violent, and that the event was orchestrated by a man who is every bit as corrupt and evil as is Vladimir Putin? Of course, that's the orange man, Donald Trump. The Sicknick family would love nothing more than to have Brian back with us and to resume our normal lives. Fictitious news outlet like Fox and its rabid followers will not allow that. Every time the pain of that day seems to have ebbed a bit, organizations like Fox rip our wounds wide open again, and we're frankly sick of it. Leave us the hell alone, and instead of spreading more lies from Supreme Leader Trump, Why don't you focus on real news? Well, 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 how do you respond to that? I got to be honest with you. It's real simple. Facts, facts live in a world of their own. They stand alone. They very seldom need any explanations, especially when you can see and hear things that happen. You can listen to what people said. You can watch what people did. And oh, by the way, all of the allegations, at least so far on the two nights of video that we've seen, any of the allegations that 
Tucker Carlson and his staff edited any of the video. Nobody has given us any proof that any of that happened. You know, by the way, the J6 committee has all of the footage that Tucker has. If they wanted to be really good law-abiding citizens and doing what's best for the American people, which is what they say they're doing, if they really were doing that, don't you think they would come out and rebut with facts rather than just simple, shallow allegations? I'm just saying. Well, let's end the day with an old song from back then. Thank you again for being here today. We'll see you tomorrow and every weekday at 9 a.m.